Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. And so begins our vacation week of shows here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. And this is always a really fun week for me because it's a chance for me to be away, recharge my battery, spend some time with my family, get ready for the busy summer and fall. Uh, then it's That's on its way, and this year's season expects to be busier than really maybe any ever before, so we're really excited about all of that. I would say for the vacation shows that we've pre-recorded starting today and running through the week, there's one really good thing about these shows. There's one potential challenge related to these. The really good thing is because it's kind of one of those things that you spend some time putting together before it actually airs, you can address some topics that are somewhat timeless, that that aren't of the moment, and that means you can kind of expand your horizons, and as we're going to do here over the course of the next few days, look at Georgia on the field for this upcoming fall. A lot of good stuff with John Stinchcomb coming up in just a couple of minutes' time, and we'll do... Connor Riley and Mike Griffith and Friday with Jeff Sintel, just some kind of expanded conversations that we would not normally get a chance to have in the kind of busy news cycle of when we're recording these shows live each and every day, we have to react to whatever's going on right there. This gives us a chance to be somewhat free of that. Now, the obvious downside is it's been a busy time around Dog Nation as of late. There's been a lot of news break. There was a chance that something may break during the week while I'm gone, and if that be the case, and obviously we can't address that until I return from vacation, so that's the obvious downside. But even understanding all of that, we just still think it's nice to be able to provide this show for you each and every day. Frankly, I'd go crazy if there were too many days where the show didn't appear. So hopefully we'll do well by you, make good use of your time, and keep you entertained and informed when it comes to Georgia football. The other thing about this kind of vacation week is it gives me a chance to sort of think about things that I've said in the past around this same time a year ago. And I'm kind of reminded of a topic that we addressed on one of last year's vacation shows as I'm getting ready to begin these vacation shows here this week. And I want to set the conversation up this way. One of the things that we will talk a lot about or the source material that we'll use a lot this week to talk about Georgia football is going to be a lot of these preseason magazines. I got a stack of magazines about this tall. I, I love going to the newsstand and getting the actual you know magazines themselves and holding it and reading it as I'm at the pool and the beach here this week. I'll be doing a lot more of that there as well. And so getting ready for these shows, I really leaned on the preseason magazines a lot for those. And looking at the Athlon Sports College Football Preview Magazine and their synopsis of Georgia, who they obviously have ranked very high in the country in their preseason ranking, but in the kind of small capsule ending of their write-up on Georgia, they gave a very short statement that I think reflects the way that many in the media feel about Georgia this upcoming year. I'm going to show you this on the screen. I'm going to read this to you, and then it'll set us up here for this uh, conversation here today. The writer of this piece says, it's time for Georgia to step forward. In other words, we've seen Georgia near the top of the preseason polls before. We've had Georgia in the national championship conversation virtually every year since Kirby Smart became coach. And now it's time for Georgia to make good on that potential, make good on all that hype, this Athlon Sports weighing in on Georgia about that. And I understand where this comes from. And frankly, there's a pocket of Georgia fans that kind of feel that way a little bit too. You hear that conversation kind of, you know, common amongst some Georgia fans of, hey, I've been waiting since however long, and now I'm ready to see Georgia kind of get over the hump with all of that. 
However, to the extent, though, that this narrative is pushed by the media, I, I do think there is one thing that is very commonly misunderstood about this, whether it be Athlon, a magazine that I like, by the way, saying it's time for Georgia to step forward or other national writer who kind of paints a national championship or bust type picture. If Kirby Smart doesn't win now, when is he going to win? That's the narrative that kind of gets spun here. And the one thing that I think is a mistake about all this, just an, just an error, is the idea that somehow that time is not on Kirby Smart's side. Just think about this out loud for a moment. Kirby Smart is one of the younger coaches that we discuss near the top of the national championship picture. He is the coach among this group that's really been employed, I don't want to say the very least, because obviously Ryan Day came along at Ohio State since Smart's been at Georgia. But of national championship level coaches, Smart has been at his school less than most of the other guys have been at their school. This is a young coach still early in his coaching tenure. The idea that time is running out on him is just factually incorrect. If anything, in comparison to Nick Saban, who despite the fact that he just signed a contract extension, uh, or Dabo Sweeney, who's kind of you know been at Clemson a little bit longer, to say that somehow time is less on Kirby Smart's side than it is on some of these other guys, I think it's just to misunderstand the facts of the situation. Kirby Smart has got a long time uh, ahead of him. I'll, I mean, we, listen, <laughs> of course, no no day is promised to any of us beyond the one we're enjoying right now. But uh, based on actuarial tables, uh, Kirby Smart would seem to have a long time ahead of him here as Georgia coach and plenty of opportunity to make good on all the potential that exists there. Frankly, I think it's letting off Georgia's rivals and Georgia's opponents. It's letting them off too easy to say, well, if Kirby Smart doesn't do it now, when's he ever going to do it? And most of you, I think, would probably agree with that, that Kirby Smart, you know, putting together a roster and building the kind of program that can compete for national championships, the assumption is that's going to happen many, many days in the future. So just the idea of it's time for Georgia to step forward, I mean, now is as good a time as any, but it's not like if Georgia somehow doesn't step forward this year, that's the end of Georgia's chances to do that. Most of you would probably agree. But even if you do think that and agree with what I just said, there's also – a small consolation, very little consolation at all from the notion of, well, Georgia's best moments may come in the future. You may agree with me that Georgia doesn't have to win now, but you may also respond back to that and say, but B.A., I want Georgia to win now. I need to see Georgia get over the hump and do that. So let's think about this here just for a moment. And this is where I kind of am reminded of something I said on one of our shows during vacation week a year ago. So last year, looking at Georgia in its 2020 schedule, the schedule we expected to play, you saw Alabama as a regular season opponent, and you commonly assume that Georgia, if it makes the SEC championship game, might also play Alabama in the SEC championship game there as well. And one of the things I said during the vacation shows uh, of a year ago was, well, I could see Georgia beating Alabama twice. You know, may, they may have to beat them twice if they want to make the college football playoff, if they want to win the national championship. And I think this Georgia team might be ready to go out there and kind of do that. Now, in retrospect, that might have been putting a little too much on Georgia a little too soon. Georgia you know, kind of hung with Alabama for a while last year, uh, and that's before it even settled its quarterback situation. But ultimately, the the actual final result of the game wasn't all that close, and then Georgia uh, didn't take care of its business against Florida either. So saying that Georgia was ready to beat an elite opponent like Alabama, a thorn in its side, beat them twice the way that I thought they might have to do a year ago, that was maybe a little too much too soon. Well, if that was true a year ago that you might have to beat Alabama twice, Think about what might happen for Georgia this year. Just let your mind wander about this just for a moment. Who does Georgia open the 2021 season with? It is Clemson, right? And that's a game that Georgia very easily could win. 
And if Georgia were to beat Clemson, if it's a close game, close win for Georgia, let's say that beyond that, Clemson runs the table and wins the ACC. They are essentially, what, 12-1 ACC champions, the only loss, a narrow loss to UGA. Would that Clemson team still make the college football playoff? I think we'd have a very good chance of doing so. Now, let's say that Georgia you know, kind of goes through the deal, beats Clemson, wins the SEC. Is it possible that in the college football playoff, Georgia and Clemson could be rematched right there? I think it's very likely that it could be. The committee seemed somewhat you know, loath to want to rematch guys in this year's playoff having you know, seen Alabama beat up on Texas A&M. They, were, they didn't want that rematch to take place, nor did they want a Notre Dame-Clemson rematch just after Clemson had you know, beaten up on Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. There were some rematches that seemed to kind of turn off the committee a little bit this year. In fact, they've seemingly tried to avoid rematches some in the past, but if Georgia and Clemson play a barn burner knockdown drag out week one, and have a chance to rematch that in the college football playoff, I don't think the committee would be hesitant to put those two teams together. In fact, they might want to. So all of a sudden now you're talking about a path for Georgia in the national championship this year that might include a opportunity or maybe even a necessity to beat Clemson twice. But wait, that's not all. The team that's the odds-on favorite to win the SEC West and the favorite to win the SEC this year is Alabama. So let's say that Georgia gets the SEC championship game, beats Alabama in a close contest in the SEC championship game. Last year, we saw the aforementioned Notre Dame become the first team in college football playoff history to make the college football playoff after losing its conference championship game. That hadn't happened until last year, but the Fighting Irish was the beneficiary of that of that largesse by the college football playoff selection committee. So all of a sudden now, Alabama makes the college football playoff having lost the SEC championship close. What if all of a sudden now we're talking about Alabama and the other national semifinal game, Georgia beats Clemson, the scenario I just described for you, and now it's forced to beat Alabama again. I don't think there's a, um, I don't think it's all that outlandish to suggest there is a path for Georgia, the national championship that might include the need to beat Clemson twice and Alabama twice. And obviously that sets up Georgia to face as unique a schedule, I think, as anyone's ever dealt with in college football. There's also a thousand ways that that might not come true, but that's at least one scenario in which that it could. So the bottom line to all this discussion is, is that I think it'd be great if Georgia does step up and win a national championship right now. If they don't, I don't join the throng of media who says, well, if it's not now, when's it ever going to be? Georgia's championship window stays open for a really long time. But if you really are looking at Georgia's chances of winning a title this year, just understand how unique a path that Georgia might travel. Maybe having to beat Clemson twice. Maybe also having to beat Alabama twice. I know that seems pretty outlandish and pretty strange, but the truth is it's a little more straightforward than you might think. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960. We're actually looking forward to being back on the radio again the following week. I'm on vacation this week. We're back the following week on the radio. They're looking forward to being there for that. And, of course, for all of you who join us on podcast, really glad to have you with us here there as well. Big thanks to Pella Window and Door of George for making it all possible. You know, they can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. That's a really good thing. This time of year, you want the inside to stay inside, that cool air keeping you comfortable, but you also want the outside, that hot, humid weather, 
the bugs that are flying around this time of year. You want that stuff to stay outside as well, and that's what Pella Window and Door Georgia can do for you there too. Speaking of the outside, those better windows and doors can also improve your curb appeal there as well. So that's a really good thing to be able to consider. It's just one of the ways in which Pella Window and Door of Georgia has been taking care of folks in our audience for a long time. This is a nationally known company that means they have unparalleled resources. Locally owned branch right here in Georgia, though, that means unrivaled service. And they will take care of you. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is truly viewed to be the best. So for your new windows, new doors, the energy efficient windows and doors you know you need, let me give you a couple of different ways to get in touch here for a moment. There's a phone number, there's a website, I'll give both to you. Give them a call 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or visit this website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. All right, coming up in just a moment, it's John Stinchcomb here on a Monday. And this week with our interviews, as I said before, we're going to kind of look at various position groups related to Georgia and kind of give you a little bit of a season preview for those groups with some of our interview guests. No better opportunity than with John Stinchcomb today. Look at the Georgia offensive line. We will do that with him coming up in a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, assisted today by our friends at AAA. And I kind of want to go off the beaten path here just for a moment because I saw something the other day on Twitter that I thought was really interesting. So there's a guy named Chris B. Browning. He goes by Smart Football on Twitter, and he kind of shares this kind of interesting sort of like football stuff from time to time. And one of the things he shared the other day was kind of this football guy's mentality about the way in which the opinions of offensive lines are currently evolving around the sport of the NFL. And my thought is, if this is true in the NFL, then I wonder how true this might be for college football there, too. So let me read you a few sentences from something that Crispy Brown Smart Football shared, and I'll tell you the obvious connection to the University of Georgia after that. So the writer here says, in the minds of some scouts and executives at the NFL level, the center position has eclipsed left tackle as the most important position along the offensive line due to today's complex defenses and the center's need to make the right line calls. There's a quote here that it was always offensive tackle, but the last two coaching searches, a lot of them switched to a center. It was because of the mental part of the game, identifying the middle linebacker, being able to make the right line calls. And that's so important now because of the intricacies of the defense. Today's coaches are saying, we need that center. It's more important than the right or left tackle. That's really interesting. Now, if you ask Kirby Smart or Matt Luke how true they believe that is for Georgia, they may obviously give you a difference of opinion on that. But I do think it kind of brings back to mind for us here at Georgia maybe an aspect of the offensive line conversation that we haven't spent enough time talking about. We talk all the time about who Georgia's left tackle will be this season, and that's with good reason. Will it be Jamari Salyer, uh, who played there a lot last year, but maybe slotting into guard this year? Will it be one of the young newcomers emerging as a uh, chance to be a mainstay in their offensive line? It, it's easy to understand why that position gets so much shattered. But if you take these NFL guys very seriously, hey, when it comes to the responsibilities of, of, of leadership and of you know football IQ, when it comes to all of that, don't discount the center position being just as important or maybe to take these NFL guys there at their word, even more important than the offensive uh, line position of left, left tackle or right tackle if you have a left-handed quarterback. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that puts a spotlight for Georgia on Warren Erickson. Erickson right now is the guy that I assume will be Georgia's starter at center, although I obviously expect Cedric Von Prahn to compete for playing time, maybe others there as well. But Erickson would seem to have the inside track on that right now. And the fact that there's been so little chatter about Erickson this offseason, I think is most 
both partially maybe a slight oversight that people haven't paid enough attention to that, but also based on the slight assumption that Erickson's probably pretty good. And all the smart things that centers need to be able to do, Erickson for the college level may be pretty good at some of those things. In fact, if you listen to Erickson in his own words, he has certainly embraced his role as one of the guys that kind of helps you know, galvanize this Georgia offensive line going back to the start of spring practice. In fact, this is what Erickson said about that back during the spring. This spring, I wanted to come in and I wanted to be a leader. Um, and uh, I think uh, Jamari and uh, Justin and I, we we kind of came in. We just, you know, we wanted to set a standard. Uh, we wanted the offensive line to look like. And uh, vocally, um, <clears throat> we wanted to show that and also just uh, leading by example. So uh, I try my best every day to go out there and, and give my all in those two aspects. And I mean, Allison, I think that's a pretty nice sentiment for a likely full season starter to express for Georgia there. And as you're thinking about things you like and are concerned about the Georgia offensive line, don't discount the role that Erickson plays at a position where football IQ has to be really high. I would say that Erickson comes across as a guy who may have some of that for you. And as a guy who wants to be a leader the way that so many centers are now in college football, Erickson seems to be embracing that role too. That's a good thing. We'll talk more to John Stinchcomb about that coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you that around the doghouse, assisted by AAA here today, you think about AAA when it comes to legendary roadside assistance. I certainly love that as I'm on the road, traveling the beach, things like that. I wanted that peace of mind that comes with that. But let me also encourage you to think about AAA when it comes to auto insurance there as well. That's a name you should know because when you switch and save to AAA for your auto insurance, you're going to save on average $529. That's big, big savings. That's a nice deal. And it's a very easy website to remember. It's aaa.com slash auto insurance. That's aaa.com slash auto insurance. Great to have AAA assisting us with Around the Doghouse here today. All right, before we're done, we're going to start looking around the rest of the SEC anonymous coaches quoted by these preseason magazines what are they saying about various teams around the sec i think it gives us great insight on the rest of the league here for this year we'll do that coming up but for now on what we just talked about with warren erickson on everything else related to the outlook for the georgia offensive line here this fall let's talk to john stinchcomb here on dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So here this week on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, we're going to do something kind of fun with our interview segments. I'm obviously on vacation this week. We're still trying to deliver you know, great shows, fun content, and I think we're succeeding in doing that, going to succeed in doing that as the week progresses. But I want to take these interview times to kind of look at Georgia on the field for the upcoming season, what, what, what we can expect from the team, and really no better place to be and start than with our guest, John Stinchcomb, here today with a look at the uh, Georgia offensive line and a group that has, I would say, even larger importance for Georgia here this year, given all the things that Georgia hopes to do offensively. You need a good offensive line to be able to do that. So, John, welcome in here to a Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia today, and we certainly appreciate you being a part of this conversation with us. Well, I'm looking forward to it because there's so many weapons on this Georgia offense, especially with the uh, the addition of Gilbert, that uh, the attention really does turn to one space, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And I want to start with this, if you don't mind, because I was sharing this with our audience before you joined us. There's a guy named Crispy Brown on Twitter, Smart Football, and he was sharing this thing of the day about how I guess there's been some chatter in NFL circles as of late that what used to be viewed as the most important offensive line position left tackle because for right-handed quarterbacks, that's the quarterback's blindside protector, that maybe all of a sudden now 
that left tackle spot may not quite be viewed as the most important spot along the offensive line anymore because of all the defensive formations that have to be notified, noticed and called out and identified that in some NFL circles within some scouting minds, the center position has become as important, if not more important than left tackle. That's obviously interesting, if true, from a Georgia standpoint, because while there's a lot of debate about who Georgia's left tackle is going to be, Georgia's also going to break in a new full season starter at center I think I assume it's going to be Warren Erickson but how about the idea of the of the center in college football now because of the responsibilities to identify certain things with defense becoming as important if not more important than the blindside protector for the quarterback you of course were an offensive tackle so maybe you're a little biased to your position but what do you think about that (laughs) idea well I, I I understand the concept and I don't think it's um I don't think they're wrong if what they're saying is the center uh, has to be, their football IQ has to be off the charts. Because of the uh, way defenses are being run now and the uh, variability, the amount of changing and, and identifying that you have to do in such a short period of time, you really have to have a center that, one, knows your system, and two, can identify what's going on uh, very quickly to get everyone on the same page. There's an, a, a number of teams that already recognize the uh, the workload and mental workload that they're placing on their quarterback. And the more that the center can do to help uh, get everyone on the same page and identify a defense kind of takes that burden off the shoulders of the quarterback. And uh, with the way systems are being run defensively now, that's that's pretty vital. You have to be able to have two guys uh, to get everyone on the same page and, and identify a defense in the same way and do that really rapidly. When it comes to left tackle for George, and I don't want to be naive about this, I really don't, but the one thing I've said somewhat repeatedly lately is I just don't find myself to be as worried about it for Georgia as some other people seem to, even though I respect the reasons that other people would share for why they are worried. My belief is is that I saw Jamari Salyer, when he played that spot a year ago, play at a competent level. Is he the best in the SEC or anything like that? I guess that would be for others to decide, but he clearly wasn't a problem while playing that position a year ago. And I guess I'm of the belief that for Georgia in 2021, the level of play at left tackle will be no worse than what Salyer provided for Georgia a year ago because if they try somebody else there and he is worse – then Georgia would just put Salyer there and let some, you know, let somebody else play the uh, guard position. Salyer may be more a natural guard, but he showed that he can play the tackle spot. And if whether it's Xavier Trust or one of the young guys like Broderick Jones or Marius Mims, if they can't, pl- you know, perform in practice in such a way that allows them to surpass Salyer in that spot, then wouldn't Georgia just put him there? And at that point in time. Wouldn't Georgia just be kind of likely to be somewhat fine with Salyer at left tackle and maybe someone like, say, Tate Ratledge at left guard? Absolutely, and, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head. The, the floor is pretty high because, uh, in my opinion, left tackle is still the, the marquee position. That was your original question. Obviously, uh, the, the smarts of the center and identifying has become vital, but – uh, when it comes to actual performance and the challenges that you face, uh, the physical challenges that a left tackle faces are, are, are going to be the hardest across the five. And because of Jamari Salyer's willingness to to be selfless and and his elite ability, which I you know I, I was very impressed with what he was able to do last year 
at a position of need and not uh, a position that was an as natural a fit for him as, as an interior player. For him to step in and play at the level that he did, I think should should be something that Georgia fans don't lose sight of. That that raises the floor of the overall ability of this group because of his versatility. Now, uh, I think the question becomes, is it Tate Radledge, uh or Xavier Truss or someone else? If, if it's an interior player like Tate that's able to, to step in and step up, then um, you can leave Sawyer out at that left tackle spot and, and you still have the sure-handed uh, guarantee of Justin Schaefer as the other guard because of his veteran status. I think you can kind of pencil him in as – uh, one of those guys that, that can fill one of those spots. Now, if it's not Tate Rattledge and it's Xavier Truss, well, then obviously you move Sawyer back inside and then um, you, you kind of answer that question and fill in that matrix that way. It, it's the versatility of these guys, whether it's Justin Schaefer, who's, who's able to play left guard or right, tack, or right guard, or Jamari Sawyer, and his ability to go from tackle to an interior player that I think lets you as an offensive line coach, if you're Matt Luke said, say, we really can put the best five guys out on the field. Um, I tell you what's awesome in, in this scenario is recognizing that Warren McClendon last year was, uh, wasn't the name starter. It was actually Owen Condon who, who started the year and for him to be, you know, that one position that that's locked up and sure. you don't really have as many questions, I think speaks to, to the level of play and the growth that he showed over the year um, and, and something that, uh, again, is, is really promising from a group that, um, at least coming out of high school, has a number of four- and five-star guys that you just knew uh, would just take some time to develop, but when they get there, um, is going to show to or improve to be a, a really talented group. Well, I was going to ask you about McClendon because when you and I talk offensive line, it seems like that's a name that shows up in our discussions maybe less frequently than some of the other guys do. And, you know, sometimes the thought is, well, if you're – and I think you've even said this before, hey, if you're doing your job, you may not have your name very called very much, and certainly the guy you're blocking is not going to have his name called at all. I mean, it does seem like McClendon is pretty quiet there on the right side. What do you think of – the work that he did last year as a starter and the kind of, I guess, bedrock, you know, provision that he gives Georgia as one of those starters that we don't spend much time debating about one way or another that we just kind of assume will be fine. there on the right side. What do you see specifically from Warren McClendon? Well, I've seen growth. I've seen from week one um, when he was still in that transition and period and, and buying for who's going to be the guy to that last week in the season, I saw a player that got better. Uh, you know, it, was it perfect? No, absolutely not. But he's a young guy who's got a lot of talent and now has a number of games under his belt of experience that all offseason long, you, you've had an opportunity to work on those things that plagued you during the season that, uh, you know, you need time to, to fix and analyze your game. And for a young guy, that's imperative. you got to be able to continue to move the needle. There have been some other players in the past that uh, they, they either max out or hit the ceiling of their abilities and early on, and, and they don't have that um, ability to, to get better. And Warren McClendon is certainly a guy that 
played well, but uh, has great opportunity for himself to become an even better player. He's a young guy with a lot of talent, and, and you watch the way he played, and you just knew that uh, what you have now is good, but it's only going to get better. So I think uh, if for any offensive lineman, especially early in their career, if they're not talking about you a bunch, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, And for him, it certainly was. Let me finish with this. When it comes to the Georgia offensive line situation, I've seen kind of an interesting narrative emerge from some fans here this year some questions about Matt Luke a bit and I always assumed that Luke would be a very popular UG assistant because he's got a terrific personality he's a former SEC head coach and I thought it was a pretty big coup when George was able to kind of slide in and hire him as quickly as it did after losing Sam Pittman as head coach at Arkansas but there are a lot of George fans that didn't feel like this offensive line performed great a year ago feel like there's a lot of room for improvement and there's a little bit of you know, the, I guess a, a fairly common comment to hear is, oh, I want to see more from Luke this year. I want to see Matt Luke produce a great offensive line. Do you have much of an evaluation right now of Luke in particular, how you think he did a year ago, the kind of hands you think the Georgia offensive line is in as you move towards 2021? How would you evaluate Matt Luke one year in? Sure. Well, I'd say this. It's pretty tough to replace two first-round tackles and uh, other NFL caliber talent like uh, Georgia had to do. So he's walking into a situation where the the expectations are high and you know there's going to be a, a, a lot of turnover. Replacing an Andrew Thomas is not easily done. And I think that, that when you have a guy like Sawyer who was able to step in, uh, it certainly makes things easier. But you're talking about a new system with uh, at least three new faces um, overall and a new position coach so there's a lot of transition there now georgia fans don't don't really care to hear about that we're talking about national championships on an annual basis and you know we've we've brought the horses in the recruiting classes are uh, arguably the the tops in the nation uh each year year in year out so um don't tell me about the the, the labor pain show me the baby right. and i understand that approach too but um, I think this year will be much more telling as to the development and growth and, and synergy that's created in that position group room just because you've had, one, a year in the system of the offensive coordinator, and two, uh, Coach Lucas had time to develop these guys and teach them the techniques and uh, approach that he wants from from his guys. So um, for year one, uh, I, I thought it was – I thought he came in and did a really good job of uh, using the talent that we had, but I think this will be a, a much better assessment of um, what he can do with the talent we've compiled in that position group. Well, speaking of good assessments, John, your assessment of the offensive line has been great for us to get today. We appreciate you sharing that here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. I look forward to speaking to you kind of in a live format again very soon, but we certainly appreciate your time here today. Don't you look? I look forward to the uh, return to face to face and, and interaction and, and that normalcy that I think we also crave. Can't it's wait. Be a good time. Can't wait for it, John. Thanks so much. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, a fun edition of Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia rolls on here. We're going to do something really cool for our SEC through this week. Obviously, I'm on vacation, so we're pre-recording these shows. We're not then reacting to the news as it happens each and every day. We'll look forward to doing that with you again coming up on Monday, a week from now. 
Uh, for this week, though, y'all know I love the college football preview magazines and the Athlon Sports SEC college football preview magazine has like my favorite thing in the world, which are the anonymous coach quotes. They take a coach. They don't publish his name. So therefore, I guess the trade-off is that coach is going to be more candid. And there are some very interesting things shared about all the SEC teams by these supposed anonymous coaches there at Athlon Sports. Now, I can't share all of these with you. It's too long to do. But I want to give you kind of a little blurb on every SEC team over the course of the rest of this week. I think this is going to be a really good use of our time. Hopefully, really entertaining for our SEC throws. We're going to do that coming up. First, though, shout out to my friends at SecondChance.Law. You know I believe in Second Chances. I love celebrating what SecondChance.Law does for so many of the folks in our audience because what SecondChance.Law does is make sense, kind of a complicated thing in the in the law now, which can be a benefit to people, but sort of difficult to understand. There's some new laws out there that give you a chance to kind of restrict certain elements of your criminal history off your record, which can open up better chances for jobs, living opportunities, things like that. But who can figure out the law when it comes to stuff like that? Well, the answer is that's not a rhetorical question. My friends at secondchance.law can do just that. They have a free online quiz. You answer the questions. It determines your eligibility. And if you're not eligible, they can tell you how you might be able to get eligible. That's what I like about secondchance.law. Plus, one of the partners, longtime listener of Dog Nation Daily, former Redcoat band member, you love that, two-time graduate of the University of Georgia. So please check them out online. Their name is secondchance.law. It also happens to be their website there as well. So make sure you check that out. All right, so as I said, Athlon Sports College Football Preview, the SEC preview in particular, has the anonymous coach quotes where they dish on the uh, various teams around the SEC. I love for this every year. I live for this. And I want to share you a little blurb about a few of the SEC teams, and we will just kind of see where that leads us in terms of our preseason chatter. Let me start with the Florida Gators, those lousy, stinking Gators. I thought the anonymous coach quoted Athlon Sports said something very interesting about Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham in the midst of this anonymous quote. This coach says, It's no secret in the industry that Dan Mullen is hard to work for, and Todd Grantham is stubborn. So watching that relationship maintain has been weird. Very interesting stuff from an anonymous coach there at uh, Athlon Sports on that. And the idea that Mullen is hard to work for, I find to be a little bit interesting because it's once again an example of something. When I bring this up, Florida fans think I'm trolling, whatever else. But the mood around Mullen in Gainesville is just different than some people think it is. I think there's been a little bit of bad blood between he and his bosses over the contract extension that he eventually got a chance to sign, but maybe they kind of fought over for a while there, and maybe this anonymous coach suggesting, and we have no choice but to take this person as word, that there's also some bad blood between Mullen and those underneath him there as well. I think that's pretty fascinating. The other thing, and I don't have time to read all these quotes to you, that Athlon kind of had about the Florida defense, how bad they were against the run a year ago. And for a Todd Grantham who probably just survived by just the faintest of margins, even keeping his job for this year, need to be better on defense. We'll see if they're able to do that. So good stuff there from Athlon on Florida. Let me also give you an anonymous coach quote when it comes to Arkansas here as well. And if there was some skepticism about Dan Mullen in Gainesville, a little more love when it comes to Sam Pittman there at Arkansas for the transformation he's apparently made with the Hogs. Let me read this to you here just for a moment, making a big comparison between the culture that, yeah, of what Chad Morris had and what Pittman has now. Here's what Athlon writes, the anonymous coach being quoted here. 
that the biggest change in the league from 2019 to 2020 is a completely different looking team in Arkansas on film between what Chad Morris was, what Sam Pittman is now. This anonymous coach says it's a totally different mindset. Also in this same kind of series of quotes from the anonymous coaches, there was discussion about how because Pittman's an, uh, is an, a person from Arkansas, is that an Arkansan? Is that what that is? Arkansasite, whatever you say for someone who is from Arkansas, because he knows that reach and he kind of understands how to recruit there, maybe better than what uh, Morris was obviously able to do. There's work to be done there in the future, but I'm really of the belief and have been this way for a while that Sam Pittman is a real-life SEC coach. I never would have imagined he would have become an SEC head coach as quickly as he did, but now that he is, this quote kind of backs that up. Culture change at Arkansas. They have experience. They have a quality collection of assistant coaches. Although they just lost Brad Davis to LSU a few days ago. I think Pittman may be sticking around there for a while. I love seeing what he's doing in Fayetteville. Very fun stuff to see and great insight from the anonymous coach there at Athlon Sports. We'll make that your SEC through. And as we wrap up here today, to be completely honest with you, one of the most challenging things I have to do all year long, we do our, you know, our week of vacation shows. And so we always have to close the show with our Gator Hater Countdown. Now, we are not doing Golden Shoe this week just because Golden Shoe is kind of more of a thing that kind of comes to me day by day. And obviously, we're kind of wrapping all these up. So I'll get back to Golden Shoes tomorrow. You can send those to me while I'm on vacation. I'll try to go through my Twitter mentions anyway. And Golden Shoe stuff is always pretty entertaining to me anyway while I'm kind of scrolling through Twitter. So please go ahead and send your Golden Shoe submissions. And we'll have those ready to go for next week. But we are going to keep doing the Gator Hater Countdown. And mathematically <laughs> kind of doing the chart in my head of what day this is going to be and what the Gator Hater countdown will be on that day. I'm always like semi-impressed with myself for being able to do that. So I can tell you with some certainty that 138 days from right now when you're watching the show, George will go back to Jacks. We'll get a win against Florida. That is our Gator Hater countdown. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. And on video, and today on podcast as well. We're going to do for our vacation week kind of a combined R.S. Andrews video podcast cool down here today. So big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making it all possible. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric. You can trust R.S. Andrews to do all of that for you. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. Find them online at rsandrews.com. So we're going to do brief comments. I'm sorry I can't take the live comments right now for those of you on video who like doing all of that. We'll look forward to doing that back with you again next week as well. And, of course, for our podcast audience, thank you for those of you who've submitted comments and things like that. It's fun to be able to read those. And we'll kind of lean on some of that here this week with the pre-recorded shows. In fact, let me do one for now, and then we'll do some more again tomorrow there too. Casey writes in to say, who do you think will take over for Georgia as number one receiver this year with George Pickens' status obviously very much up in the air and certainly in doubt because of the injury? I think that's a great question. It's obviously one that we'll be continuing to examine as the summer rolls on. There's clearly great excitement about the arrival of Rick Gilbert, who I think is certainly an elite prospect and transitioning, it seems like anyway, based on the reporting that's been out there, from tight end to wide receiver. He's got the kind of talent that could certainly give you a chance to match what George Pickens has done for you in the Georgia uniform before, and I say that knowing full well how good Pickens has been. However, I still think that the likelihood that George's leading receiver is more likely someone who's been on this roster before, who's been a part of this program before. I think that Gilbert could be a huge part of the offense, to say nothing of the other true tight ends who are going to be thrown to a lot more there too. But when I look at receiver who could fill the void from a statistical standpoint of what Pickens was likely to provide, I start looking at names more like 
uh, Jermaine Burton. That's a guy who had the huge game for you against Mississippi State, but also had other moments during the year where he kind of really showed you what he had the potential of being. And I am watching very closely right now with what Marcus Rosemey Jackson is doing in his injury recovery. Just within the last few days, another one of these videos has leaked out showing more cutting and and torque and knee movement on the part of Rosemey Jackson. It really seems like that he is is very close to truly being back. Frankly, I don't know if Blaylock's Dominic Blaylock right now is quite as close as Marcus Rosemey Jackson is. I can't say that he isn't. We're just seeing a lot more photographing and video evidence for Marcus Rosemey Jackson. So I think that's a real positive sign there for UGA. So for me, if you say who has the most receiving yards this year for Georgia, I guess my guess on that right now would probably be Jermaine Burton. I'm also really excited about Marcus Rosemey Jackson. And frankly, it's the overall level of depth, the number of names you could mention from both receivers and with tight ends that I think Georgia is going to have a real, real shot to effectively replace what Pickens would have provided while Pickens is dealing with an injury, let's face it, that could keep him out for the entirety of the season there as well. So that's a great question. We'll do some of this when we have a chance to meet with you for a very brief version of our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down this week and video cool down there too. So check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, that air conditioning tune-up I talk to you about all the time. Get your kind of tired system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. It's a mega tune-up. It only costs $99. So find them online at rsandrews.com today. See you back here tomorrow for our RS Andrews cool down on both podcast and video and for Dog Nation Daily there at 10 a.m. there as well, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Y'all have a great day. Hope you enjoyed the pre-recorded show for today, and we'll see you back here again tomorrow.